just Malcolm Byron. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome to a new week, October 3rd, 2022, 58 degrees in the capital city. As we get your day started, this is LNK Today with Jack and Friends. I am Jack Mitchell, along with... Sports Director Caleb Henry and Hello. Mark Vail in the KLIN Newsroom. Present. And ready to go to get you uh, where you need to be here on this Monday morning to attack the week. And we're going to start it out with a good show, we think at least. Uh, Fantasy Huskers, a couple of, couple of keywords for another good week. Fantasy Huskers, we'll tell you about what happened last week there. Caleb and I will break all of the goings down at Memorial Stadium on Saturday night. Just a very, very... Pleasant. It was a busy uh, Huskers weekend overall. Busy Huskers weekend overall, and then busy college football weekend, uh, especially <laughs> with news last night. We will get to, if you haven't heard yet, Paul Christ has been fired at Wisconsin. Holy cow. Uh, we'll delve into uh, we'll delve into that throughout the show today as well. A uh, lot, lot to get to uh, in the news this weekend. Very busy news weekend, and unfortunately, most of it uh, t- tragic. Uh, eight o'clock hour. Then we will uh, we will talk to uh, who will we talk to during the eight o'clock hour? It's a Monday, so that means we're gonna have Dirk Chatlin joining us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, summer friend. We got and Tim Hruza. My goodness, I was I should just look at oh, the schedule's not up. That's why you'd think maybe I'd have it memorized by now, but apparently the, not. This the morning. one time I don't write the schedule, Tim Hruza, on the board for you. <laughs> uh, coming off a uh, another. We got another flood Pansing Brooks debate to talk about, and uh, and more in Nebraska. Nate, uh, Nebraska news and politics. So uh, that is uh, that's what we've got. Want uh, want to start off the show today uh, with with some news that I got last night that I was not expecting at all. None of us were. I was um, I was I, I was unaware that there were health issues. Uh, I had uh, I had talked to Tom Lorenz. Uh, I think the last time. I had talked to him was at the uh, Elton John show at Pinnacle Bank Green. I usually found him and talked to him every time I was at a show or, or something at PBA. I might have talked to him a couple of the times after that or, or had texts with him, uh, but I talked to him pretty extensively. That would have been in, in April, um, and everything you know, seemed like it was going fine then at that point. But if you have not heard the news, uh, Tom Lorenz, uh, who has been the, the general manager over there, uh, at Pinnacle Bank Arena and at Pinewood Bowl has been on this show many, many times. Um, who you know, I've 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 talked to a lot on on this show and otherwise. Uh, his family um, confirmed that he's passed away. Um, Short uh, d- uh, battle with cancer, right? And um, he uh, died on uh, Saturday. Passed away on Saturday. Um, I, I did not know he was uh, he was dealing with that issue. It does sound like it's something, and, and we don't have a lot of details. We'll respect the the family's privacy on that. Uh, other than that, he had he had had some pain associated with it and gone in for some medical attention. I don't know, you know, when when that was actually diagnosed. Uh, what what kind it was? Any of that? I'll let the family uh, put that out if they want to. But because um, I did. I've had a chance to to meet and talk to some of them as well, but um, man, that that was was tough to hear last night. It was just so surprising. 
uh, in his 60s, still incredibly busy uh, with what he was doing with Pinnacle Bank Arena um, and always was incredibly kind, incredibly, incredibly uh, available to not only come on the show, but, you know, but but talk about uh, talk about um, plans and processes and. Uh, excitement about these venues that have been for me a you know a, a big big part of my life here living in Lincoln and and um, the arena was something that that I pretty strongly advocated for um, and he was even he was with Pershing prior to that back you know he he was with Pershing and so I had a lot of conversations with him leading up to that and uh, in addition to to being somebody that I always enjoyed talking to you that I found found to be kind and and the transplant to this area from the Chicago area um, but a real driving force behind I think improving quality of life and kind of seeing out the vision that a whole lot of people had for the entertainment community that Lincoln could be and he did not um, he, he there there he he didn't have any designs on making Pinnacle Bank Arena kind of a second fiddle to anything. Um, and we've talked about it a, a bunch just in terms of how there were a lot of folks that said when the arena was, was you know, being built or, or being voted on that, well, this is going to be they'll have a honeymoon period and then they're going to have a hard time getting acts in there. They're going to have a hard time making this into a venue that's going to compete with the, the Omaha's and Kansas City's and Des Moines of the world. And. There's one thing you can you can say wherever you were on the arena, I I I think they they've done just fine since what in the eleven years twelve years I guess been nine years since since it's been open in terms of getting big acts, um, bringing a lot of people to the place, bringing a lot of people to the city uh, for it, and then the rejuvenation of Pinewood Bowl has been one I think one of the coolest things. Uh, that's happened. It's something I always hoped would happen. It didn't happen forever. It seemed like a huge, seemed like a huge just missing out by having that essentially lie almost fallow for decades uh, as a concert venue and and not getting used given its uniqueness and uh, given everything around it. And he played a huge hand in in making that into to what it is now. And now that's a place that is used. Time and time and time again, when the weather allows it, during the during the spring, summer, and fall. Um, so I, I, I'm yeah, I am shocked. It, it was just it was less than twelve hours ago that I found out about this. Kind of just when it hit the news last night is when uh, when I found out about it. Um, and it's just it's it's it stinks for so many reasons. Obviously for the family. Obviously somebody losing him. Um, him at at that age, just right around uh, the day my or the uh, year my dad was when he we, when he passed unexpectedly, and so I'm thinking a bunch of of the family, Kyle and the rest of the family, and uh, our thoughts incredibly go out to them. But I think somebody who from from a larger perspective, and we'll have time to talk about this more as he's you know remembered and you get off the over the initial shock of it, but somebody who I think had you know not not an elected official, not. <laughs> Right, not not something like that, but somebody who had a big hand in 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 Lincoln's quality of life, in in seeing through a vision that a lot of people in Lincoln had, but they need need somebody to be able to do it and want to be competitive about it. And he did he did all those things, and 
alongside all that, always I thought was an, an incredibly nice, open guy and did a great job. Um, did a great job just kind of talking about it and and uh, getting getting people excited about the things that were going on there. So, boy, I am I am really really sad to hear that news this morning. So I wanted to say a few words um, about that. So uh, that is uh, that's number uh, that's the first thing I wanted to get to today. And then we've got what is one of the worst uh, car accidents that I can remember ever talking about here in Lincoln, Nebraska, that happened over the weekend where you had a car on 56th and Randolph, uh, middle of the night, Saturday into Sunday. So 2.15 Sunday morning. Early Sunday morning. Um, basically, basically have a one-car collision with a tree and extensive loss of life. You had a lot of, uh, you had, was it, was it five? Five were five. Uh, dead at the scene. The sixth, the sixth. Uh, was hospitalized but died later Sunday morning. And and young uh, adults in their 20s. All of them, uh, For yes. the most part. 22 all of them. to 26, I believe, was the... All of them. We don't know a whole lot. We know from some of the uh, the, the reports from KLIN and other media that, uh, obviously, when that happens at 2.30 in the morning, it makes causes quite a commotion in the neighborhood, uh, made, a lot of, made a lot of noise. Neighbors came out, tried to help. Uh, even got a, you know, there was a fire that started after it before LFR got there. They got a garden hose out, tried to bust windows with rocks to get people out. And, uh, five of them, as you said, had, had died on the scene. One died later at the hospital. We don't know. We don't know anything, you know, there was, anything more about there it. Was right no, there was no update. Uh, when I talked to the duty command this morning, they uh, said that they would be releasing additional information at this morning's police briefing, at least what they were would be able to uh, release. They were still in the process yesterday of notifying family members. So, yeah, that's, uh, and, you know, that's uh, a, a completely residential area. Yeah. Uh, 56th and Randolph, uh, just east there, I believe it was. Um, yeah, I didn't know where on the... Which, between uh, 56th, uh, Randolph was closed, I know, for several hours from 56th to 58th. So it was in that... Uh, series that's right there you know where 56 uh, breaks off goes to cotner uh, the one right. way it's that it's that weird intersection yeah, it's kind of a it's, y it's yeah five it's, corners it's five, five corners on and so what which uh which part did on, you say on you randolph okay 56 to 58 was closed for several hours according okay. to uh well and, and i don't think this has anything to to do with what 56 is in that area right now no. but but 56 is, I mean, they got to get 70th back open, but I, I don't think that has anything to do with this. This is, would not have been a high traffic time no, whatsoever because in, in a much less serious event, I had a family member who was in a car accident on, on 56 during during rush hour on Friday night, and uh, and that family member is, is fine, but the car isn't, um, but it's like every time every time you're driving in that area right now and it's just completely ridiculously packed up with cars i've seen i bet i've seen six accidents yep. there in two weeks i was driving down 84th from up uh, north from havelock down to uh, uh well basically pine lake was friday afternoon about four o'clock and it was about a mile back up on 84 south of oak and on 84th too on 84th yeah. so i mean that's oh. That's how much traffic's been diverted from 70th. Yeah, well, it's still closed this morning. I know that. Um, 
I thought it was supposed to be done here by the end of September, but maybe they're pushing that back a little bit. But anyway, but they that's found, not. They found more problems than they expected. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, that's and that's again, that's not necessary. It just happens to be kind of in in that same area, but that wouldn't be germane to two thirty right. in the morning, right? Um, at that point, so. Uh, yeah, we'll wait for more information on that. I've got a little bit of this on. This is actually making some national news because the the as I understand it, authorities authorities were notified. I don't know if you guys were a couple of weeks ago when Apple had their big event when they were talking about the new iOS and the new iPhones and everything, but they had a, a putting on a new feature on their phones that a car that your phone would sense when you're in a car accident and would would call authorities and. It's my understanding that's how this notification was made uh, to authorities was from the iPhone that had I don't know exactly how the technology works, um, but the phone that actually had had notified the authorities on their own uh, because there weren't any witnesses at two thirty in the morning. It's kind of a ghost town out there, I'm sure. So there's still a lot of activity in town uh, after the game. So that's true. It was after that's true. It was after a night football game too, but not necessarily in that yeah. part of town. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, heck of a way to to start off with a couple of stories for the week, guys. Mark, anything else in new? Well, I know uh, we had, had the debate. Uh, uh, Channel Eight had, had the uh, Patty Pansy Brooks Mike Flood debate yesterday afternoon. Inflation, abortion, the two big uh, topics. Southern border. Um. So yeah. you know we've got we've got some I, some cuts from it. So. I'd, I'm I'm interested in it. Got to be honest. Once again, that time slot, there was zero chance I was watching that. So um, DVR'd it. We'll see. Maybe I'll get a chance to catch a little bit later. I, get a little bit. More I expected later, it but. to be a little more uh, feisty than it was. Oh, really? Did you catch it? I did. You did. Yep. Hmm. So interesting. There, there were a couple of instances, and you know, I've got my opinion, but I'll just as long as I'm doing news, I'll just play it straight. Yeah. So yeah. What what was uh where where do you think the sharpest divides in abortion. policy were? Abortion. abortion. Yep. Okay. Uh, that's that's the way I I read it and then uh the southern border. Yeah, and 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 I don't know there were a couple of times I know in the on the reporting on the 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 debate last week where there even was even some common ground it sounded like maybe on that issue. I don't know if that came through at yeah, all it, last th- night. There was there was some um Common, I, I don't know if it was common ground, but some similar opinions on abortion. Uh, Mike Flood, you know, had uh, supported the 20 week viability here in the Nebraska law. Mm-hmm. He thought that was a legitimate standard for uh, mm-hmm. the um, for the country. Actually, yeah. um, Patty Pansy Brooks said that uh, Flood voted uh, to ban birth control, and he countered that uh, quite forcefully. He had he had said there was something about there was the, something the else yeah there was something the else in the bill uh, that would have required doctors to report things yeah. uh, and so that was the reason he voted yeah. against that so uh, those are the the areas and of course uh, inflation uh, spending he's against more federal spending and and uh, and at the border uh, he was there what a month ago uh, so he had some first person. Uh, summaries of that so yeah oh sounds like we're already done my goodness All well right. we I had a couple of to the, had a couple of sports victories over the weekend. i know i was i was saving that for to kind of put at the end of the thing but we'll save it for sports we'll get to them all right there you go nebraska football gets off the schneid evens their record to 101 in the big 10 pretty good First win on place. saturday night 
first, in the West. Tied for first place in the West. And then, speaking of uh, teams that have had new coaches, Wisconsin makes what a lot of people saw as a very surprising change with their football coach last night. And we'll tell you about that as well. All right, it's 625. And, uh, the, the ladies went to uh, Maryland and just, you know, finished the tarps off. Right. They lost a set, though, against Maryland. They did. dropped a set. Just the fifth time Maryland's ever taken a set from uh, Big Red. Uh, all right. I'm it's not, fine. I'm not that word. <laughs> 625 KLI. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Malcolm Byron. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the sound off on LNK Today. But first, it's just a sweet, sweet fantasy, baby. That's what happens. That's what happens when our. That's what happens when Caleb drops the ball. I have to sing around. Very sad. Oops, sorry. All right, fantasy Huskers time. Do 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 do. Your chance to win, get a pick for fantasy Huskers right now. A hundred dollar prize pack from Alumni Hall and Valentino. Who wouldn't want that? What a great idea! Uh, all right, fantasy Huskers. First, I'm of not all. telling Big Voice Guy. This is what you think it sounds like. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's probably more in the execution than the perception. I'm I sending would say. him voice work. This, yeah. Week. Yeah, I'm putting you out of business. I'm putting you out of business. Uh, Maybe not. not Maybe not. We love what you do for us, whatever your name is. Um, (laughs) What are we asking this week, by the way? What? Oh, good question. Well, number one, let me think about that while you update us on what happened last week. Uh, So last week we got all the way to Friday, and I gave the advice of saying just 11.45. Give them about an eight-second window as a courtesy, and it didn't matter because Nebraska still scored a full two minutes before that. Holmes Lake Doug is our winner from this last Friday because of Nebraska scoring... With like thirteen and changed, I, so so <laughs> we had a we had a scenario at the end of the week last week where uh, the last picker who was Holmes like Doug had a chance to uh, pick one second above the lowest pick, and Caleb encouraged him for some reason not to do that, and apparently just give away about eight seconds to whoever had the next pick behind him, and the entire game, I'm thinking about this while I'm watching the game, and I see Nebraska gets the ball, you know, they get the ball after they stop, I'm like, oh boy. And you're like, don't this just is, don't roll off a three-minute. And I've got this golden window that I'm looking at, the 11, whatever it was, 11.30-something, 
And I'm like, if they, I'm like, this is going to set up pretty good for for homes like Doug's pick to really not work out, <laughs> uh, because you know Nebraska is very usually the first drive they just they it's about it's usually about a eight nine ten play play right down the field drive and they score. That's just, I mean, the the best offense in college football this year is Nebraska's first drive offense, and uh, the, <laughs> it's not wrong. And unfortunately for the scenario I was trying to see play out, they were a little bit too good. Uh, well, you needed Rutgers to burn a little bit more clock. You, either that, or you needed it. You had one running play that was fine, and then you had two passes. Bloop, bloop, touchdown. Well, just, just so, like that. So Rutgers had the ball for about forty seconds. Yeah, and then Nebraska went. Oh, we can have a forty-second possession. Right, Nebraska being too good, as we've said many, many times this year. Uh, but they get in, and they get homes like Doug. The prize package from. Uh, Valentino's and Alumni Hall. So, Doug, will be in touch with you to get you hooked up with that prize. Here's what I want to do today. I, 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 I bought myself time to think about it, and this is one we haven't done yet. But Nebraska has uh, had a propensity of, of scoring on some pretty big plays last week. Uh, got, had the huge bomb to Trey Palmer. You had the touchdown to Oliver Martin on that first one. They've had they've had some other ones this year, some big runs by iTest Anthony. I know and, where you're going with this, and I like and, it. And so I think we we ask, the, the offense still can be explosive for big plays. Um, Rutgers has given up some points this year, so I want to know what the longest touchdown in yards Nebraska's offense scores is. Okay? Just for Nebraska's offense. Yes, just for Nebraska's offense. So, And, and, and this would not include... So this wouldn't include an interception return or a punt block or a punt return or those sorts of things. On a running or passing play by the offense, in yards, why would we do it in feet? In yards. In, in, in seconds. In, in, I think in they're going to take 17 no. seconds on so this you, play. You're, you're, what I'm trying to say is your guess is a yard amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and what is the longest? I, I trust Nebraska will, sc- will not get shut out. They'll score a touchdown, I guess, if you wanted to pick no touchdowns, that would be an option, too, uh, if you picked zero. But how many yards will the longest touchdown from offensive scrimmage be? Okay. Where, where, see, I'm going to go, I I think I'm going, I'm going in the 50s. I'm going for 64. I think I'm going in the 40s or 50s for this, probably. Okay, what's yours? I'm putting mine down right now. Uh, give me, give me 53. 54. All right. That's yeah, where we're at. Where, what did you take? 64. 64. All right. 54, 64. Those don't count. Those aren't really. No, those, those absolutely are, count. Those, we will those, take your prize. Those are just, those are just fun. <laughs> we're just going to go. <laughs> I'm just going to just feast down on pizza next week if we win. Pizza and uh, beer. But you, you get your pick by texting us uh, the keyword twice a day, eight, 635 and 810. We take the group of people who correctly text the keyword. We pick one of them for our pick, and then you make your pick. It's all done via text. It's very convenient. It's what I would say is the most convenient game in all of uh, regional radio here in the listening area. So uh, today we need you to text in the Rick Stein recognition text line if you want to pick the following word. Knights. 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 K-N-I-G-H-T-S, as in the mascot for... Yes. For Rutgers, I realized when I said knights, I went, "Wait, it is a night game." Yeah, the, uh, let's, so let's... so it's K N I G H T S. Yes, but this is, for the first time, my spelling actually mattered That's when right. I do this. Uh, I got a good one set up for us okay. Friday. K N I 
GA oh I know but I know it's gonna be <laughs> not to tease. Yeah, I don't wanna I don't give it away, but I think I know what it's gonna be and I'm gonna be ready for it. We'll see if I'm ready for the right thing. You're gonna spell it wrong. I'm be, no, I'm be ready for it. Text that in, uh, and uh, we'll let you know. We'll text you if you're the one who was awarded the pick. If you're not awarded the pick, do not despair. We're going to do it again at 8.10 today, and then 6.35 tomorrow, and 8.10 tomorrow, and uh, take that pattern and extend it out for the whole week, and that is what we are going to do. All right, let let us jump in to the sound off today. all right, where are we going to start today? Oh, we don't have too we don't have too much politics today. Good. Uh, well, I mean, this is it shouldn't be politics, but it is. Uh, Supreme Court with a new Supreme Court justice, Katanji Brown Jackson, who had her. It's not swearing in. She had another ceremony uh, at the end of the week last week to make it official that she's going to be on the Supreme Court. They get another term started with cases this week. Today marks Judge Katanji Brown Jackson's first term as a Supreme Court justice. The first case the court will consider has to do with whether the EPA has the authority to claim the Clean Water Act applies to an Idaho couple's plans for a piece of property the EPA says is technically wetlands. But there are other critical cases on the calendar, including two that could result in an end to affirmative action on public and private college campuses. Two other cases pertain to elections. One is a challenge to North Carolina's redistricting and whether gerrymandering violated the state constitution. Another case out of Alabama alleges the redrawing of congressional districts violated the Voting Rights Act. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. All right. Um, in state politics, not Nebraska state politics, but U.S. state politics, uh, you got another got another state that has given the thumbs up to legalized recreational Ooh. marijuana. That number keeps growing, and you've got another one, so get ready to plan your trip if you're interested in that, too. Vermont has legalized recreational adult marijuana sales, and three dispensaries were ready to open today. A fourth has a permit to do so, but is, according to the AP, not yet ready. While lawmakers voted to make adult recreational use legal in 2018, making it the first state to legalize it through the legislature rather than through a ballot initiative, it took several years to come up with a framework to move forward with sales in stores. In April, the state's Cannabis Control Board began accepting applications for different license types, including cultivators, manufacturers, and retailers. Vermont is now one of 15 states with legal adult recreational sales, though sales have not yet begun in four of those states and Washington, D.C. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Four years? Four years from when the legislature passed this, they actually got the... the logistics figured out on how to handle the sale of this by the way if this is imagine what that's like this isn't foreshadowing for what would happen in nebraska if and when this would would ever happen uh i don't know what is and the way it would happen in nebraska most likely i don't see the legislature passing it honestly i think the most likely scenario at this point is the 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 groups the people that have been supporting medical marijuana will come next with a petition for recreational marijuana mm-hmm. that includes both i think there's a i think there's a shot that they're able to get more funding which they struggled with last time i think they've got a shot of honestly having more public interest impacts more people if they would do that as well um and so I would not be surprised if their next petition drive is exactly that. I see that I see that actually passing a whole lot more likely than 
than the legislature doing something maybe on on either of those levels. So, but if that does happen, I mean, we've seen this with with a whole bunch of issues, especially ballot initiative, initiative issues uh, that, that took a lot of time to get the infrastructure set up for the expansion of Medicaid. Took a, it's taken a lot of time. It's going to take um, a decent amount of time still here to get the framework set up for parts of the legalized gambling. Um, including like sports gambling right now, they're they're waiting on that, and so yeah, it could be it it, it could be when something if and when something like this ever passes a ballot initiative, you still have two three years out before it really fully goes goes into effect. You could see that same thing happen here in Nebraska that you you saw in Vermont with this. I mean, thing. I would expect everything here to get slow played. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I would be surprised if that wasn't the case because, like I said, I think you've kind of you've kind of seen that with a couple of with a couple of uh, ballot initiatives that were passed that weren't necessarily popular with the executive branch. Well, and if the uh, like if the legislature actually went through and passed something, then I think it would be enacted much sooner. But the ballot initiatives, yeah. for whatever reason, they get passed, well, and then the legislature has to kick it around. The executive doesn't necessarily want it, or else. They would have made it a priority right. for the legislature to get done. And the other thing is the the deal with the ballot initiative language on anything on on this or anything else is it doesn't like you said you still in a lot of cases need legislative action to put details in and mm-hmm. it would be in a lot of cases if these things are going to happen eventually pick your issue legalized gambling or or you know voter ID or or whatever it would. It, it it would I think make the whole process a whole lot more efficient if the legislature just just actually said okay <laughs> this is going to pass by ballot initiative let's get our hands on it and actually let's actually set up let's do it more efficiently let's do it more smartly from the beginning with the legislation that they're writing yeah but that we've talked about that a million times I feel like <laughs> uh, let's see hey happy birthday to a former president. Jimmy Carter, Ooh. he's had he's had his health battles over the last decade, plenty of them. I th- oh boy, it wasn't a few years ago it got it got really bad, but he is uh, he is still alive and he is he's getting close, Caleb, to making it to uh, to triple digits. Got one number less away. Wow! Over the weekend, birthday wishes are pouring in from around the world for former President Jimmy Carter, who turned ninety eight Saturday. Carter went from peanut farmer to politician. My name is Jimmy Carter, and I'm running for president. Elected in 1976, Carter dealt with high inflation, an oil shortage, and the Iran hostage crisis, and successfully negotiated the Camp David Accords between Egypt and Israel. But many say he's the best ex-president for pouring his energy into the Carter Center and projects for peace and compassion. Carmen Roberts, Fox News. Glad to see the world's problems have completely changed. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded like the headlines. Didn't it? I I mean, I guess maybe the Camp David Accords are a little... You still have plenty of issues in that region, but did you hear that, though? Inflation, oil shortages, and issues with Iran... uh, right now which are really uh, three of the top three of the top things that have been in the headline for the last few for the last few months uh all right and well, he's pro- and he's still building houses right i don't boy he was doing the habitat for humanity. he was doing a ton of that stuff that habitat for humanity stuff well into 
um, well into his older age. Uh, all right, how about this one? Elon Musk is a new thing out for that he's uh, gonna gonna have for you. I mean, this is when you know you're really living in the future that you pictured as a kid. I, I, I go back to the movie Rocky Four. Remember, remember those of you who have seen Rocky Four. Remember what Sylvester Stallone and and his family had at their home that seemed Are you so talking about the robot? Future. They had a robot in their home. Like that is one of the things that in the eighties we pictured as an absolute sign that we were gonna get to that point that that was quote unquote the future. Robots in the home. And we still you know, we got our we got our echo devices, we got our vacuums that vacuum our floors as is we got our phones i, I mean, still we, don't we kind of do it's just different I than still having don't have the robot like the jetsons yeah. robot situation it sounds like maybe elon is is going to get us the rest of the way there here pretty soon the robot named optimist with exposed circuitry and limited capacity slowly and awkwardly walked onto a stage it turned and waved to a cheering crowd at tesla's artificial intelligence event friday there's still a lot of work to be done to uh, refine Optimus and improve it. Obviously, this is just Optimus uh, version one. Tesla CEO Elon Musk says the aim is to eventually mass market it. But Optimus is designed to be an extremely capable robot, but made in, in very high volume, probably ultimately millions of units. Um, and it, it, it is expected to cost much less than a car. That price tag, less than $20,000. Samantha Liebman, Fox News. Um, so what is this going to do? Slowly and awkwardly walked onto the stage. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this is the guy who once warned the artificial intelligence was going to be a threat to humanity. Uh, and so he claims he is committed to a transition to society where robots do the work and, and, and people reap the benefits, but it's a safe one where the, where this doesn't begin, this is in the beginning of like a sci-fi horror movie with, with this whole thing. Okay. <laughs> so we're doing what? More, we'll more see. iRobot? Yeah, I don't. We're going with this. I don't. I, I still don't quite know what it what it does exactly. Um, no, I'm not saying it doesn't do anything. I just don't. I don't know exactly what that would be. But I always get these. I always get these uh, videos that come across my social media feeds with like this Boston Dynamics company that is building these like robot dogs, and they're showing all the things that they can do. And they're like, and and it's like, oh, these things are terrifying. Look at a look. They can open doors and stuff. But they always walk around like a drunk kid. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I, was I mean, like, I'm sure. Yes, I'm. I don't doubt they're gonna have incredible technical innovation, but sometimes I feel like just baseball bat, boom, on the legs, and I think we got that war covered for at least another fifteen, twenty years with a baseball bat. I always want to know, like, what direction we're going with this. Is it is it Jetsons, where it's very mild mannered in the house? Is it more we're down the line of Terminator? Yes. Is it the the Kalon from Orville? Like, right. where, where are we going with this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, he, he actually said, we always want to be careful. We don't go down the Terminator path, he cautioned. <laughs> he added that Tesla was building in safeguards, including a stop button that could not be tampered with. No, I can't imagine that could go wrong. Absolutely zero tampering. <laughs> They had one of those videos where they put those Boston Dynamics or or, or or some companies like dogs in a zoo and like had the animals like interact with them and see what they would do. 
there, there was nothing I wanted to see more than a, a gorilla or something. Just absolutely beat the living tar out of that thing. I wanted to see it so bad. Uh, doggone it. Are we done already? Yeah, probably. Okay. 656. <laughs> lot, a lot, lot, a lot of, lot of stuff there. Well, maybe we'll get to it later on the show. A uh, lot of stuff to get to today. 656. We will take a break. Here's the LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIMs. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, with a Friday night Oscar game this week, you might have Saturday night open. We'll have an idea for you. Join us at the shops at Piedmont for the 7th Annual Oktoberfest Celebration. It's for adults 21 and, o- 21 and over. we got food vendors, beer, music from B Street bands, festivities, contests. Caleb and I will be there hanging out. I plan on bringing a TV so we can watch some football, too. Should be a good time out there. You can get a basic package with three drink tickets for 33 bucks or VIP. Get a custom koozie, access to imported German beers for 42 KLIN.com is where to do that. Uh, and use code KLIN at checkout to get those exclusive discounts. So it's starting at 5 o'clock Saturday and continue at 11 o'clock. And by the way, I know in Nebraska DOT, Highway Safety Office, we're giving safe rides home through Z-Trip. So another thing to take advantage of. 7 o'clock, KLIN Lincoln. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 712 on a Monday morning, October 3rd, 2022. Uh, boy, it was, it was a busy news weekend, and so, my goodness, Caleb and I... Really haven't hardly had any time to do something that we've been waiting to do for a while, and that's spent a Monday morning talking about a win by the Huskers against nice. Indiana. Uh, and a, just a, what a fun feeling after that game. You know, um, yeah, we can, we, can talk about, we can talk about the larger picture and everything else, but there's something nice about late on a Saturday night not going to bed because I'm watching videos from the Husker locker room over and over again of the players surrounding <laughs> Mickey Joseph yeah chanting his name everybody smiling and and having a good time from Casey Thompson to Garrett Nelson to you know uh, scads of other players that were out there rewatch you know what I did yesterday Caleb I rewatched the game on the BTN in 30 thing isn't that nice I, I, uh, yes it was great. I rewatched the the entire. I mean, you watch or BTN and sixty. I guess it is. But I rewatched the whole entire thing. I woke up Sunday. You know what I did? I woke up Sunday morning and I wanted to read everything I could get my hands on uh, from from writers, from from your coverage, from other from. You KLIS know what you just described? From, yeah. The reason everyone in the Nebraska media yes. wants this program to be good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yes, because of folks like you and literally everyone else, myself included, 
we want to read what everyone is saying about what was successful. There might be some some discussion about what can still be improved or or some things that maybe didn't go right, yes. which is obviously there. There's other storylines in the game, but at the end of the day, when the team is good, people want to read more. They want to yes. digest more. They want to go search out more coverage. They want to watch yes. the BTN in 60. They want to go, yeah, maybe I will spring for that subscription online because right. I can go read a little bit more of that. It makes all of our jobs better. But also, it's just you're taking in the community of Huskers. It's, hey, things went well. I want to go see what this person said about that. It was just, It was just a nice... A nice change of pace, and I'm ready for more of it. Um, to, to talk about the game specifically, Caleb, I'll be interested what you thought. But the thing that stuck out to me stuck out to me um, was the way that the defense played throughout the course of that game. Everything, everything just looked better. Okay, mm-hmm. from even just a, a not to steal uh, Anthony's Anthony Grant's nickname, but just from an eye test perspective. <laughs> There were guys. There were guys getting off blocks at the at the front. They were pressuring the quarterback. There were not the just n- nearly the amount of just absurd missed tackles. And the numbers bore out how much better Nebraska was. Only six was missed tackles, according to PFF. Yeah, you you didn't have nearly as many just wide wide open receivers running across the field, and 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 they weren't perfect. Um, and and there were times Minnesota's offense got going. They popped Indiana. off a couple of uh, Indiana, whatever. Uh, popped off a couple of big plays, um, but but when it came down to crunch time in that in that second half and really in that fourth quarter, Nebraska's defense was exactly what they needed to be. Um, and then you got a big you got a you got a big explosive positive special teams play for the first time since I don't know when. Two thousand nine is the last time you had a punt block return for a but, touchdown. But I mean, yeah, yeah, or you know, any kind of a or a punt return or anything. You'd uh, have to go back to JD Spielman twenty nineteen for for anything. Yeah, for something of that magnitude to have happened on special teams, and that felt that just felt huge. That felt really different. But I got to give a ton of credit to. Bill Bush and the players on that on that defense, um, and I could name out a couple of guys. So I, th- I thought Ty Robinson had his best game. He did. Um, I thought Ty. Ro- I mean Garrett Nelson is uh, Garrett Nelson. I think has been pretty solid throughout the year, but he was he was getting pressure in on the quarterback. You had a bunch of newcomers who who came in there, especially in that defensive backfield. I thought Quentin Newsom. I thought Quint- Quentin Newsom had a great game as a cover corner. Um, I thought Luke Reimer had his best game of the year too. I mean, you you had a, you had a bunch of those guys. You could you could go through. So that was huge. And then and then um, <laughs> you know when this offense again when when this offense gets some some time for Casey Thompson to pass, get some room for I test Anthony to run. If the line can give him a little. You don't need perfection, but if you can give him a little, they can still they can really. They can really gouge you with yards, mm-hmm. um, and and you saw that a couple times. It wasn't perfect. There were still problems across the offensive line, of course. Sure, there were. Thompson held the ball too long a couple of times. Let's not take him out of the game again. That's just my opinion. But um, but overall, I mean, I, I, that that Oklahoma game, and the Oklahoma game looks worse week after week with the way Oklahoma's playing. <laughs> it does, doesn't but it? I don't think I do not think you can. Uh, I, I don't think you can overplay just how difficult getting ready for that game 
that Oklahoma game with Frost being fired on Sunday and and dealing with the emotional impact of that, that the logistical impact of that, all of the changes and trying to get yourselves ready for that week and just the weirdness of it. I think this was a much better read on whatever the rest of the season is going to look like. And and especially now that you got you got Bill Bush in at his position, and mm-hmm. and hopefully you see more of what this team looked like. But they they were it was good. They were they looked like a team who hadn't checked out at all, which I was worried about this mm-hmm. year. But that's that's what they looked like. And getting one win, it's one win, but that'll go a long way too in keeping them engaged and keeping them where they need to be. And frankly, I'm excited to see what happens now on Friday night because. You know, uh, Big Ten, listen, I'm not, I, I, I know how rough the beginning of the season was. I know that there are deficiencies on this team, but there are so many deficiencies all over the Big Ten West that you, <laughs> everything's over. There's at, le- there's at least, you at least have that glimmer of hope that, hey, things could get weird later this season. Mm-hmm. If, if you keep winning game, you know, you, you, you beat Rutgers and then you, you go to Purdue and boy, if you could do something there, things really could get interesting. Um, but kudos to Mickey. I, I loved him having that moment. I thought I thought it was interesting that Trev goes in specifically and talks to the team afterwards and gives Mickey the game ball. I thought the reaction of the team to Mickey was was huge. Um, it was a good night. It was yeah. it was a good night. It was one. It was a therapeutic night for everyone involved in this program, from athletic director to coach to players to fans to media to everyone. Yeah. On Saturday night, it was nice, and I just soon we do it again on Friday night. It was much needed, it, yeah. not 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 just for the the players and the team, but for the fan base. And you had uh, you had eighty six thousand in the stadium again. The student section filled it all the way up to the top. Like it, it was nice. You needed that uh, that homecoming win. You had some recruits there. You had Trev on the sideline. You had um, uh, there, there's a great video out there of Bill Bush, and I was actually walking by as that was happening. Bill Bush hugging his family. They came out nice. onto the field. It's it's an awesome video. I retweeted it, so I'll probably show you during a break if you cool. haven't seen it. Um, but just all the way around, there's good feelings. Uh, you had Anthony Grant rush 32 times. Um, Casey Thompson hitting a bomb to to, uh, to Palmer. You had the special teams play well overall. Bushini pinned him deep. Had a couple other punts that were not fantastic, but like you got through it, you were just fine. Outside of the the two times on defense that they had seventy yard drives, and it looked pretty easy at times during those. That was half of Indiana's offense mm-hmm. for the night. Like you were getting sacks, you were getting Luke Reimer blowing a dude up, and then just taking the ball off his chest and saying, "Well, here, this is mine now." Mm-hmm. Like you had things go really well. Still got to figure out a lot on that offensive line. Yeah, like you had to shuffle guys around. Not just because someone wasn't holding up, you had to. Okay, now you're going to sub someone in. Okay, now there's an ejection. Right. They on the fly were moving some guys around. Um, Casey owned up about his conversation with him and Whipple that he's just got to do a better job back there. Um, if Chuba doesn't take two yards extra on his drop back, it's not a strip sack in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Like there, everyone there was like just little bit here, little bit there. A lot that can still be worked on, but overall. Now, now you've got a chance and a quality opportunity in front of you to put two in a row. Yeah, yeah, and and it was interesting. You posted it, it always interesting to see what Vegas, whether you gamble or not, what Vegas said, and you said they've got that as a pick'em. It now. was a pick'em to open. 
pick them to open, pick and I think meaning there's no you're not you're not getting points for either. Yeah, team. no one's really a favorite now. I think overnight that it already slid to like Nebraska minus two. Yeah, I would say and it'll I, end up in that area. I, I think it's going to. If I were to bet on what the odds would be by Friday, I would think Nebraska is going to be a five point favorite. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Uh, and, and, and real quick, do you have a couple? Do we still have a couple we minutes got a minute, here? Yeah. The, the, and, and, and I know you have gotten when you've either tweeted or talked about coaching candidates and you know some of the external candidates that are out especially there. now with, with the Wisconsin job technically with the Wisconsin open. job open and some of that you've had some some people who have said to you wait we've already we've already got our coach here at Nebraska <laughs> which if, if you're support if you if you want make you to be the guy and I get why you want that I love everything that he's done right now yeah I get it but the the I mean the reality of the situation is. He is literally the interim coach at this point. Trev is exploring. He said this. He is exploring options outside of Mickey. He has not made a decision on Mickey. I think the real. I think the reality of it is, I, I, and I don't want to disappoint anyone, and, and maybe I'll end up being wrong, but I think that'll be a conversation that maybe has some uh, some potential of actually happening in reality if you get up to. I mean, if I think you're probably if you're you, you got to be talking about a bowl game at least, and and maybe a little bit more than that. If you get to that point, then then it's yeah. probably a conversation worth happening. But guys, and 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 the other thing is more than anything, what's important to me right now, just because I understand the reality of the situation, is you figure out a way to keep him in the program. W- whatever That's the that bigger is, part of all of if this. they if 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 they go another direction, which is still, I know if you hate to hear it, I get it, but that still I would tell you is the most likely scenario. Now maybe I'll say something different a month later if Nebraska's absolutely rolling mm-hmm. against the Big Ten, but right now that's the most realistic situation. I'm interested in making sure he stays a part of the program. Yes. Okay. That that to me is the biggest thing, and and hopefully that can happen. But you don't put all of your eggs in one basket. You go through the process. You see what's out there. See who's available. And if at the end of the day, Mickey Joseph is the best guy for the job when we get to the end of November. Yeah. Then he's the best guy for the job. I, I, I'm not. I'm not not willing to have the conversation. But it's just the reality is until they were in a pretty low place. He's got a win. Trev isn't going to be able to hire a guy who got two wins, right? The rest yeah. of the season. Now, when we start, when things start getting weird, I'm fine. The other thing is, I know what Mickey said behind the press press conference table, but I don't even know 100 percent sure that he wants to jump right into the permanent role mm-hmm. after this. I don't know for sure. Um. So that plat factors into that conversation too. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I just want to address that because I know you are getting some just hammered. With you're it getting right some now. <laughs> getting hammered with it a little bit, and it doesn't. Uh, I don't get it. All right, there you go. All right, we'll take a break. It's Seven twenty-five. We got to talk about Wisconsin. We'll do that in the morning drive coming up next on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? 
We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. All right, let's get things started with... Number five. We're expecting more details at this morning's police briefing after a horrific crash yesterday about 2.15 a.m. just east of 56th and Randall. Uh, Six people died as a result of that accident. Five were killed at the scene. The sixth died at the hospital uh, later Sunday morning. Lincoln Police still looking for additional information. Anyone that may have been in the area or possibly any video evidence to give them a, a call as soon as possible. 402-441-6000. So horrible, yeah. horrible crash. Um, so is is the the understanding, uh, as far as you know, the, the cars have been, tra- the car have been traveling what? So northbound on 56th, I believe it was would be. Is uh, that right? Well, there is no, there is no southbound on 56th. There, it's one way, isn't it? So yeah. Well, it's actually that's where the one ways become. The, oh, two, uh, you're right. Two it two is. Way. It's southbound, and then it becomes but two it, way. It was on Randolph yeah. between 56th and 58th, according to the okay, information so I have. So it's probably so it was uh, into that, that neighborhood. Is, eastbound as there, there on. Uh, Okay. East of 56 yeah. on Randall. Um, man, it, it too, there must have been some high speed involved uh, uh, yeah, for it, that kind of an impact. Six people, uh, all in their 20s. Uh, it, I, I don't know the exact uh, make, but they said it was a black Honda. So, uh, but to have five killed uh, right. instantly. Neighbors out trying to help. Uh, well, sure. It, I'm, I'm sure the the sound at two thirty in the morning was woke oh. people up all over the place. And, and in fact, the reports indicate that you had neighbors who were trying to bust windows out of the car, getting garden hoses out to try and stop the fire that was there before LFR uh, was was able to get there. And so it uh, it had to just have been a a horrific scene um and, and, and like you said we don't know right we don't know the victims names obviously aren't out there they're they're still obviously working on making sure all the the people close to them are are notified officially they we don't know anything else about the circumstances so i'm not going to speculate although i guess i did just say you feel like it had to be a pretty high rate of speed but that would, other than that that would seem to be a legitimate uh, assumption but the other thing that you have to remember how horrific and how horrible these scenes are for first responders yeah i mean it's just yeah. it's it's mind-blowing yeah just uh boy a, a, a terrible terrible story uh with this and i didn't actually get to play the the uh, clip on fox but but on uh, that we had from fox radio but uh they had a in the national news today for their kind of their variety of news stories that they have because their story was that the, the this new iPhone feature that they've just come out with where it can sense if you've been in a crash and automatically contacts police if people are non-responsive. 
Um, evidently was one of the... Now, I don't know if it was the only way. I'm sure some of the people who heard it called 911 immediately. But that was one of the way that, ways that authorities were were notified this on that this as well. And if you bet on that on Randolph there, as you go eastbound on Randolph, it, it, it starts out straight and then it starts to curve a little bit to the to the southeast uh, as you get further up past 56 there. Um, you know, just trying to give some perspective on you know, exactly well, actually, what would have happened. 56 uh, swings over on Cotner there. Uh, that's kind of what I said earlier, a five intersection. It's actually six corners. Cottoner yes. goes yeah, through it's there. That, it's, it's that mishmash there. Yep. And um, 56 northbound actually exits to the northeast then onto Cottoner. Yes. And, uh, until north of O Street. So. All right. We'll, uh, we'll be waiting for more details on that. But, of course, uh, all the families who have to get that terrible news. And uh, the, yeah. one, the one thing that just kind of struck me... Uh, in the news release that uh, Lincoln Police put out yesterday morning, um, they said it. They believed it was a black Honda. Oh, meaning it would have been very that hard to tell. That hard to tell. Jeez. So, right. number four. And we learned yesterday about the sudden death of Tom Lorenz, general manager of Pinnacle Bank Arena. He died Saturday morning in a local hospital after a short battle with cancer. Sixty-five. Um. I got this news last night. Uh, Tom, is, Tom has become a friend. He's become somebody who's on this show frequently. You've heard him many times on this show, and, and especially kind of in the time right when Pinnacle Bank Arena was was building up, and this was something from the reports. I, I, I've been a couple of months since I had I had talked to him, and, and it was just a convers- it was just conversation at the arena at the time um, about shows and, and, and about those sorts of things and and at that point you know I, I don't know if there were some of these health concerns that have popped up at that point or not uh, though the reports do sound it was sound like it was sudden dealing with um, cancer of some sort um, I'll let the you know let the family go into the detail on that if they want to or not but um, he was always boy he was always someone that was a pleasure to um, pleasure to work with for me both professionally on this show and then just kind of kind of running into him out in the community i'd run into the grocery store a whole lot and uh, he he did a ton i know there was a lot of there was there was some concern out there when lincoln got going with the project on this arena about you know would it be able to sustain whatever honeymoon period that it would have at the beginning and Boy, you know wherever wherever you are on on that whole thing, you'd be hard pressed to argue that they haven't that arena hasn't been incredibly consistent and solid in terms of continuing to do the hard work to grind away to get big events that that big concerts especially that bring people into town that get the place filled up that have an economic impact that sort of bear out the vision that the the people who are advocating for the arena wanted to see and hoped to see with this thing and Tom played a, a huge a huge role in that and then you add on to that what he did um, with 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 Pinewood Bowl and kind of going to that vision that so many people had and making that a, 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 a taking advantage of, of what is a really unique great venue and actually putting it to use to the advantage of the quality of life of of Lincolnites and 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 getting great music there. I mean, I've been to 
been to several concerts there. Um, but I, I yeah, just I feel terrible for his family. He, he's passing at about the same time, un, uh, relatively unexpectedly, at least like uh, when I when I lost my father right around that same age. So I, I'm just I'm bummed. I'm surprised. I'm bummed is a dumb word to use for something like that. I'm I'm really yeah. I'm 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 really saddened to hear this. I, I did not. It's taken me by surprise. It hasn't even been 12 hours since. Since I had heard it, um, we've all benefited from his efforts. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he, and he, and I always just appreciated the way that he, he kind of dealt with people. That he dealt, at least he, that he dealt with, that he dealt with me in terms of taking questions and 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 you know, sort of giving us a little peek behind the curtain on things. I had some really fun interviews with him. Just about that whole well, industry, and and I'm sure he was involved in in some of the discussions regarding what the board of regents approved last Friday. That's I mean, that, that was that was a huge ah. huge step forward during the. Uh, uh, you know, that's right. They approved that on Friday. Yeah, I bet I would have. I bet I would have called him this week to see if you yep. wanted to come on and talk about what that means for PBA. Now that you mention it, I mean, they, you know, they did it at the uh, uh, wrestling tournaments earlier yeah. this year proved to be a success and and i'm sure that was due in part to to his handling of the situation at pba i hope uh, yeah i mean this is incredibly minor in the whole thing but they're gonna have a hard time you know finding that's a job nobody's done other than him they they do have a they do have a great staff and that's that's one of the things that i think uh, will be a part of his legacy is uh how well that staff performs in all of these situations. Just- well, I was just at opening night for Nebraska men's and women's basketball Friday at Pinnacle Bank Arena where mm-hmm. you played, you had a basketball scrimmage, and then the men basically went through a practice and drills, and then you had a concert. Yeah. Like, it, it, it takes some, some planning and some leadership to pull something off, off like that. I know, it's, it's just a thing for me. Every time I was there for a basketball game or for a concert or, you know, Caleb, you and I went to the state basketball tournament yeah. there. The COVID even year, even in twenty twenty, and, and he and I, uh, he and I, we, I talked to him like three times that that weekend, just ab- about the whole thing. And he was always, he was always there, um, and it was always, it was always, it was always a good experience yeah. to talk to him. And it was an, it was an exciting experience to talk to him and and hear about the things that were planned and and the, the excitement that lied ahead. And as somebody who, you know. As you can see, I went out on—I don't know if I went out on a limb or however you want to say it—but that strongly advocated ten, twelve years ago for this arena to happen. It was always so so gratifying to to see him in leadership there, see him doing his work, and being very confident, being very confident that this was a this was the right decision um, under his leadership, and it would continue to be. So it is. It sucks. Uh, it really sucks. Number three. Just gotten word that there will be another candidate announcing for Lincoln mayor uh, officially Wednesday at 11 a.m. Uh, former Husker Stan Parker is going to announce. Uh, website already up and operating, stanforlincoln.com. Hmm. Kind of a play on, uh, you know. It's like Stand. Well, yeah, they they've worked that into the logo, but okay. the actual uh, site is Stan 
for Lincoln.com. No, look at this. Now, here's the biggest question I have, and I you just handed me this, so I don't It just came in. It just it just came in. Is he is he running as a is he a a, a Republican? A Democrat? Uh, what, what, or is, I mean, I, I I know I don't know that it necessarily matters for the ballot, but as as I understand it, um, I've been kind of following this possibility for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my sources said that he switched from independent to Republican about a month ago. Interesting. Well, that, that's the part that makes the uh, the website a little confusing when you obviously the stand for Lincoln becomes stand within the logo. Yeah. And it's blue with a D. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he talks talks a little bit about his background. And I remember him from his football career. And then I remember him um, from from some of his speaking engagements, his, his work with churches. Um, well, and his operation here in Lincoln is just two doors to the west yeah, of us. That's here. right. Yeah, we can say it. My, my Bridge Radio, yeah. he founded that as the executive uh, is the executive director uh, there, Bellevue East went to Nebraska, played football there. Um, good, just, o- good offensive lineman there. I just um, uh, got a confirmation text that yes, he is a Republican on okay. this ticket. All right, he will be a, a Republican on this ticket. I remember I was in uh, just a little. Uh, we got to go a quick story about this. Um, I, w- I remember I was uh, in college at uh, when I went to school in Northwest Iowa at Northwestern. One of the things they had. Uh, they had mandatory chapel attendance there when I went to college. Uh, so you had to go a certain amount of to services throughout the course of the year. And you know, sometimes it was it was very good. Sometimes the speakers were so-so. <laughs> <laughs> but one time I got there and Stan Parker, I didn't know it, but Stan Parker was the, the speaker there. When I was up there in college in Iowa, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a former Husker <laughs> up there, a guy who, a Lincoln guy. I was so excited. I think I went... This was pro- this was back in about 1997. I think I went down there and introduced myself to him uh, when he was when he was over there talking. So I always have that memory. But yeah, well, so and then there were two, and the mayor wouldn't tell me. She said any plans, uh, any possible plans or announcements would be made later this fall. Uh, well, I I wanted her to confirm it on my show, and she didn't. I know. I think she's. I I do think she's running. Um, I, I, I would be. I would say this. I would be surprised if. If she wasn't, but what does that do to the primary, though? <laughs> right? You know, yeah. I mean. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the lot of the primary now is going to be is, is Parker or Geist going to going to capture that vote? Then, to assuming that Larry and Gaylor Baird is in there, that's kind of what the primary becomes now. One would think if they if they're going after kind of the same audience. Yeah, well, I think we need to to look at the wait until Wednesday and see who all is there. Tom Osborne is going to be there. Uh, see who else from the uh, Republican side of the uh, aisle uh, joins him. Um, well, guys, had a lot of them there at her thing. Yes, she did. Uh, but there, you can also remember there's a, a, a faction within the uh, Republican Party that took over the state uh, uh, state party. Yeah, uh, a little they, bit. They, is this the type of guy that they're going to get behind? I, well, I'm just I'm asking yeah. those questions. You this know? is totally rhetorical. Re- yeah. Yes, got it. Absolutely, but uh, the, the the ones where where guys were more of what you would call the mainstream. Yeah, uh, I don't want to call them old guard, but the 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 real yes. Uh, 
part yeah. of the. We got we got to move. We got we got. We got I get Tim Hurst to come on on an eight ten. I'm sure we'll hit plenty yeah. of it. Number two, Paul Chris time up as Wisconsin football coach. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Looking at the the Big Ten West, and you've got some coaching changes. There's also. There've been rumblings, but in Iowa as well. So we'll see where that goes. As they've had a coach for same coach for more than twenty years, but for Wisconsin, Paul Christ out. That means their defensive coordinator uh, Leonard becomes their head coach, and that was someone who had shown up on some lists for possibly the job with Nebraska. And there are other guys that are on Nebraska's list that have connections to Wisconsin, both as former assistants and as Wisconsin natives. This now puts a little bit of a a, a, a wrinkle in where you're right. looking at these coaching lists. Now, is he the interim, or is Leonard interim, or interim, is okay. interim? interim but for the rest of the there year. are some rumblings. It's kind of similar to the conversation. There are some rumblings that Leonard might just be the guy there. Right. Um, he is. He is somebody who's the, the, the kind of a hot name, and he was even coming up for Nebraska. The ones that come up though that you think of most, if if it's somebody Nebraska is looking at, would be obviously uh, Leipold at Kansas or Dave Aranda at Baylor. Correct. Who are probably two of the maybe the two two leaders in the clubhouse by perception mm-hmm. right now. Um, but they both have Wisconsin connections there. And then another yeah. question we can get into. Is there any reason Nebraska wouldn't at least kick the tires on Paul Christ? I think you look at it, but you you would definitely have to make sure you had other guys on the staff that could handle the recruiting because that's that's a big part that, that had fallen off for, hmm. for Chris the last couple of hmm. years. Does Nebraska have anyone on the staff? <laughs> hmm. That maybe could stay around that is really good at recruiting? Mayhaps. I don't know. We'll have to think about that one a little bit. There's, a, there, there's the, a lot going on. Yeah. You go. You host Wisconsin November 19th. That's now a vulnerable game for the Badgers. Whew. Number one. Debate last night, KLKN TV, Channel 8, hosted it at Anderson Hall, UNL campus, between Representative Mike Flood and State Senator Patty Pansy Brooks. Uh, Caleb, you mentioned the, the color in the uh, Stan Parker logo. I happened to notice that uh, Congressman Mike Flood had a nice blue tie on, and State Senator Patty Pansing Brooks was completely in red. <laughs> Bipartisanship. Look at uh, us go. Did they do the section at the end where they say nice section, nice things about each other again? Yes. Did they really? Yep. Huh. They just do that every debate. That's I'm good with that. Nice. All right. So, hey, just kudos to them for debating, since I know there are Democrats and Republicans who refuse to debate, but that's another item altogether. <laughs> 757 on KLIN. Wing traffic. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. But first, Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. But first, we got to congratulate Holmes Lake Doug. He was the big winner last week and got it with the 10th pick. We said it all week, guys. Your picks. Your picks were too late in the game, and Doug took advantage. Left a little window in between the. The 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 quickest pick and his pick, where he just should have just picked one second above it, but he didn't. But it didn't ended up hurt him because Nebraska soared so quickly against Indiana uh, that he was the closest 
Um, and still, what? There's still, what, almost two minutes? He between? still had like two minutes to yeah, spare. Yeah, he still had two minutes to spare. Nebraska yeah. scored so quickly in that game. He picks up the prize pack from Alumni Hall and Valentino's, and now we re-rack it. We do it all again for Nebraska Rutgers on Friday night. If you want to make a pick for this week's fantasy question, you need to text us in to the Rick Stein recognition, the keyword, which I'll give you in a moment. But first, I want to tell you this week's guessing game has to do with how long in yards the longest touchdown Nebraska's offense scores against Rutgers. Had some long ones. What was the Trey Palmer 71. one? 71 was the Trey Palmer. That was sweet. Yeah, it was. Um, so how, how will Nebraska be getting big plays? How big will they be? Uh, if you want to uh, take a stab at guessing that, you got to be one of the people who texts in the keyword at 635 or 810 every day this week. And the 810 keyword for pick number two is East. East. E-A-S-T. East. Not my high school, the direction where Nebraska's game is and the division with which Rutgers plays. Well, there were some people that thought when we said nights for the first one that we were a big Southeast morning show. Now we're really balancing out, even even though nothing nothing has to do with either of those. (laughs) E-A-S-T, text it in right now, and if uh, if you're lucky, you're going to be getting pick number two. Do we know what pick number one was yet? Pick number one, the Jeremy says 56 yards. That was right in that range you and I like. What did I say? You said 54. I said 64. 64. 64. All right, the Jeremy. I like the Jeremy just basically copying me. It's a smart choice. (laughs) All right, time to uh, talk to our summer friend, Tim Haruza, talking uh, Lincoln, Nebraska news and politics. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jack. How are you this morning? I'm good. I mean, there's a lot going on right now. We got, we're trying to talk about a Husker win, but news keeps happening during the show. We got new mayoral candidates coming out of the woodwork. We got all we got all kinds of we got new got Big Ten teams firing coaches. I, my my head's on a swivel right now this morning, Tim. Mm-hmm. And you're here to make sense of it all for me, which I appreciate. Uh, uh, I had not seen the website until you guys uh, announced it earlier in the morning drive. So, uh, yeah, breaking news from KLIN this morning. I like it. You're actually doing um, your show the, prep for listen by listening to our show. If you missed it, <laughs> a press release that came out this morning, uh, a for an event coming up on Wednesday at 11 a.m. Uh, Stan Parker joined by Tom Osborne, a press conference to announce Stan Parker's candidacy for mayor of Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, opportunity for questions at the end. He already has a website out. It is stanforlincoln.com. If you want to check that out, we don't know a whole lot more than that. Mark seemed to, uh, Mark seemed to have a, uh, somebody that indicated to him that uh, he had previously been an independent, but he uh, will be a Republican running here. Um, stands a former Husker football player, uh, and then gone on to, to work in ministry, uh, was, uh, founded MyBridge Radio, um, been, you know, been a pretty, pretty public guy in, in Lincoln for decades here, uh, as well, speaking and, and doing other things as well. I know there had been some discussions about him having thought about doing that in the past, and it looks like it will happen now. And and Tim, even if you don't have a ton of uh, familiarity with uh, with Stan Parker generally, what's your gut reaction on hearing uh, that with already Suzanne Geist announcing Senator Suzanne Geist announcing, presumably, although she did not confirm it to me when I talked to her last time, but presumably uh, Leary and Gaylor Baird 
uh, will be making an announcement of some sort that she'll be running again. Uh, what does that kind of mean for the uh, the what the primary looks like now? What the impact is of having a uh, a third candidate that is going to look? We'll see what kind of backing that it gets. We can get into that more. But what are your just thoughts on this potentially being a, a three person race here? Well, um, I think that we rewind to the conversation we had, I don't remember, last Monday or a couple of weeks ago, which is you add another Republican, you add a conservative person, um, additional personality. I know, as you mentioned earlier, too, it's a nonpartisan ticket, um, but it certainly forces Senator Geis to make some decisions about the campaign that she wants to run and um, maybe change her messaging or not, right? So there'll be a lot of decisions that they've got to make in terms of responding to another conservative candidate being on the ballot if that's how Mr. Um, Parker is going to run as well. So that throws a bit of a wrinkle in it. Obviously, as you just noted, <laughs> uh, Mayor Gaylord Baird has not announced whether she's going to run, although I think everyone expects her to. Um, she'll have to make some decisions, too, about what her platform is. So um, there will be a ton of you know, how you announce and what you come out with is one thing. And we've, we've kind of seen this going back to the Nebraska Republican governor's race. Um, what was highlighted in those press releases were issues that didn't necessarily drag through, right? Follow the campaign through to the primary, the last few weeks or months of the primary. So some of it matters and some of it doesn't with the exception, obviously, too, that the mayoral race in Lincoln is a really condensed timeline, Jack. Um, folks will be voting in a primary uh, in this thing in May with a general election to come a couple weeks later, or excuse me, April, April. With a general election to come a few weeks later in May. Um, it's, you know, not we're not even through the November midterm elections, right, in terms of the national ticket and the other races that are on there. And then we're going to focus for a quick five or six months where these candidates will have to get their message out. Meet voters during the winter, which is a hard thing to do. Um, decide what their message is going to be and who's who's willing to vote or get engaged in an election or come out and vote for them or, or against them. Um, however, that all plays out in a few months during the winter when candidates can't really go out and knock doors and shake hands and run in parades and be out as much as they might normally like to in a regular campaign that happens over the summer months. So there's, a, I mean, the more people that get into this, Jack, the more names that are on the ballot, the, the harder the decisions about what you're going to do and how you're going to frame your campaign become, I think. Um, we talked about it last week with the congressional debate. We're at the point now, I mean, I think I made the point last week that, look, you're choosing the Republican or the Democrat in that race, right? Mm -hmm. What are the talking points that they're going to use? It's a little different in a multi-way primary where you have candidates on the same side of the conservative liberal divide, however that shakes out, um, that are trying to make themselves appear a little bit different than their opponents, right? So the more names you put on that ballot, my whole point being, the more names you put on the ballot, the harder it is to decide how you want to frame yourself and what your pathway is to getting people to cast a ballot for you are. Um, and I think, I mean, we'll see. There's, there's, there's potential for more Democrats to enter this race. There's potential for more Republicans as well. Um, and I think the more crowded the field gets, the harder it is to decide what you want to do with your messaging. Well, and, and especially if you're, you know, for a, a Senator Suzanne Geist, you know, if it's if if it's she and the incumbent on, on the ballot, or at least as, you know, the 
the two very, you know, the, the, the two real feasible candidates that are on there. You've got a, I mean, the primary means something completely wholly different than it does if you've got a, uh, a potentially feasible third candidate on there, right? Because now that primary changes from just sort of a, you know, stick your finger up in the air and see, see where this is kind of as a poll to this is a, an, an elimination round now. And you've got to make sure you're not eliminated in that first round by that feasible third candidate or multiple feasible third, fourth, fifth, et cetera, candidates. And so, yeah, I think that, I mean, that absolutely shapes what, what the rhetoric around this thing looks like for the next, you know, especially when we get into the early 2023, what that rhetoric is going to look like, because that's how it's, for better or worse, that's, that's reality of what it's going to be now. Um, the, the, I mean, you don't expect the two non incumbents probably to come out of there, especially if they're of a similar political ilk. And, and so now it's how do, how do those two separate themselves from each other, which is going to be yeah, fascinating. I think, it, I think the other element in there, I think you're right, Jack. I think the other element in there is it makes it a little bit harder to, if you're the, if you, anytime that you're challenging an incumbent, it's a difficult race. Um, it just, it just makes it tough. Uh, the, the numbers, make it hard to do that. Now you're in a, in a position, too, where as the person challenging the incumbent mayor, again, all assume except Larry and Gaylord Baird runs for re-election. Um, you kind of you put the idea that you could possibly win the primary out of your mind, right? And you start focusing on how can I get more and more numbers, and then what do we need to do to set ourselves yeah. up for that general election? So you got to do enough to get through the primary, right, um, from either side, knowing full well that you're probably not going to beat the mayor in the primary when there's multiple names on the ballot mm-hmm. and then setting yourself up for the best message to beat and uh, to win that general election while, while also doing enough to get primary voters um, on your side of the aisle to, to cast it off for you. Yeah. So it gets a little tricky. It, it does get a little tricky. I'm sure that it doesn't make uh, it easier. It, it, it definitely doesn't make yeah. it easier. I, I, I think right. we can agree. We can probably agree on, uh, on that now, uh, for I'm, I'm I think I recall this right. Maybe you know better. The like a city election like that that looks like a like a legislative ballot, doesn't it? The, or does that have a D's or R's by the names? They're not. I, I believe it's nonpartisan. Yeah, I'm almost certain it's nonpartisan. Okay, that's what uh, I thought. I was going to double check that, but. Um, yeah, I think it's a nonpartisan election. That's what I just like a legislative race. That's what I thought too, and and I don't know how how relevant that is, but isn't it interesting? <laughs> isn't it interesting? Like I even uh, saw a few uh, Geist signs out of my neighborhood already for this election. That is what, geez, six months away, seven months away at this point, six months away. Um, like right? <laughs> there are more, there are more uh, Geist signs than there are for uh, uh, and uh, for the than the gubernatorial race really uh, uh, at, at this point. I, yes, it is. I started seeing them uh, late last week. I was out for a run and I like kind of did a double take. I was like, wait, Geist? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's, she's not running for this in the November ballot. And then I, it kind of hit me. It's like, oh, for mayor. Yeah. Whoa. Um, yeah, they, there are signs out. Um, to, it's early, right? Uh, maybe you'll have some voters who are going into November hoping to cast a ballot, but I was talking to somebody this weekend and we just kind of, you know, chuckled about it too. It's like, man, those are going to be up for a long time um, <laughs> yeah. through, through through the winter months and into the spring. Yeah. So uh, cool that the campaign, I guess, is off to a good start. Uh, it will be interesting to see kind of how that spreads too. And, you know, 
wonder, you also wonder how, when people will start to realize that the city politics or the city election stuff isn't on your normal ballot, which we can have a whole different conversation about, Jack, but it's so odd to me that we do city elections in the spring when nothing else is happening. Yeah. Um, I think it totally changes the electorate and how, how those elections yeah. run and who's paying attention to it is a completely different conversation too. Right. Uh, again, although I still feel this, this lack of buzz about the midterm election locally, normally you assume that means there's a huge turnout for the, the fall election, but I still am, I'm sort of uh, fascinated by the, the lack of buzz that seems to be out there for the, the, the midterm, even despite the fact you got house race, gubernatorial race, legislative races, uh, signature ballot, signature items, voter ID, all of those things. But nonetheless, the, the other thing I wonder too, now it, it, I think we discussed this a little bit is there were at least a, 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 a sect of, uh, people on the right who were not ready to to completely jump a, jump on the the Geist bandwagon, I, you know, the Nebraska Freedom Coalition um, had had uh, put out something even in advance of Geist officially announcing, raising some concerns with with her vote on constitutional carry and and her sort of role in the whole Herbster Herbster thing. I I want I don't I don't know enough about you know what what Stan Parker is gonna. Um, you know, what he's going to have to say, what his policy positions will be, how and if they'll differ from Geist. I wonder if that's, um, uh, you know, if if that is a group that is going to jump on with him, that is going to be supportive of him. Will that be impactful in this whole thing, or is that going to be kind of irrelevant? And I know you don't necessarily have the answer either, but I think that'll be relevant in this whole thing. Yeah, I have no idea kind of what that, the, the coalition that, without the release um, attacking Senator Geist or being critical, I guess, of her candidacy or decision to run for mayor ahead of her announcement. I have no idea where they'll end up landing. Um, but you do, I mean, I think that factors into what we discussed earlier about kind of how you message and how you how you reach out to voters and what you what you want to focus on in your campaign. And that's a question for, for Senator Geist to decide and a question for Sam Parker to decide. And then you know, too, the mayor is going to have to position herself, um, depending on how these other candidates do on issues that are critical of how she's done things and decisions that she's made. So uh, I, I think it all plays in. I don't know how much it matters. And then, you know, what the party does, what the local party does, what the state party does is, is kind of up in the air, yeah. too, um, moving forward these we'll days. See. But hey, we got the, time. The criticism of the November general or to the midterm elections. I just heard Dave Heineman reading political ads in your, That's on your true. station here. So so we're getting into the thick of things. Now. Here we it's go. Start, the machine is moving. Where the uh, early ballots go out, what, like next week or the fifth week? Uh, right. Pretty soon. Folks are going to be casting ballots. So it's, uh, it's about to get hot and heavy. But, yeah, yeah Dave Heineman's so. voice in his fall in Nebraska when you hear Dave on the radio. That's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. We'll uh, check in next week, all right? Thanks, Jack. Take care. There you go. Tim is uh, – Joining us on LNK Today with Jack and Friends. Take a break. Sports is next on KLIN. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. He's a five-time Nebraska Sports Writer of the Year. He asks the tough questions. But most importantly, he occasionally retweets Jack Mitchell. It's the Omaha World Herald's Dirk Chatelain. All right, it's eight thirty nine. Welcome to Alan K today with Jack and friends on KLI. I mean, good, good. What do you want to do? You want to talk about what's in the I, World Herald? No, I well, 
<laughs> we'll, we'll, maybe we'll get to that <laughs> later. But uh, I, I, mean, I can't believe it, Caleb. I'm, I'm trying to do a post-victory show here. A, a, yes. a show that I've been wanting to do with you for a literal year. Okay? A post... Okay. They, they they beat North Dakota. Conference win. A, a conference win show that we you and I have done. How many of those shows have we even done together in our career working together? When did you come here? I got here in late October 2019. Were there any wins? That were no. in, there were no wins since after you got here? I don't remember writing about a win. So 2020, we had a couple. Uh, we had the Penn State one. They they won another game. I think They beat Rutgers that one time. This is a thing that we give. We've gotten to do like four times, five times total in our life. <laughs> and then we've got you know uh, Lincoln mayoral candidates jumping out of the woodwork that we're talking about. We got Wisconsin firing their coaches, and, and I think that's the first question I have for for Dirk Chatelain of the of the Omaha World Herald today. Was this move by Wisconsin a way to impact the news cycle and hurt Nebraska fans and not them be able to savor this rare conference victory? Your thoughts. I am just uh I'm just trying to imagine uh the coffee shops in uh you know Green Bay and uh you know all these little cash my my Euclair Fond du Lac, uh, yeah. Where where they're sitting around uh this morning and thinking to themselves, How are we ever going to find someone as charismatic as Paul Chris? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Jack, I, I had a thought Saturday. Well, I had it Saturday, and then I definitely had it Sunday. Was this, considering the circumstances, um, this was sort of like a, you know, I was out and they pulled me back in moment, uh, really across the whole weekend for Nebraska football. But I'm trying to imagine a greater Jack Mitchell Nebraska football weekend than this. You yes. get the win. Yes. You get an Iowa. Iowa just looks awful. Yep. Uh, loses another big game. Wisconsin loses big. Loses, you know, loses, yep. they, they uh, fire their coach. Uh, P.J. Fleck loses in hugely disappointing fashion. Uh, you know, Pat Fitzgerald loses again. Yep. I mean, this this might have been, considering the circumstances, I mean, national championship aside, yes. Yeah. But aside from national, from national championship for Nebraska, Close uh, this had to rank, this had to rank pretty darn high on the Jack Mitchell uh, weekend, you know. It was up there, and put in context, you know, when you when you when you adjust for context and the surrounding weekends, it may it may very well have been the best football weekend of my life. I mean, uh, think about it. Think about it. We were a week ago. We were talking about how Nebraska might as well just shutter the program for the rest of the year. <laughs> And now, now everybody's talking about, you know, Mickey Joseph might still be the guy. And Nebraska might actually have a chance to win the division. Like, think of how ridiculous we are. Oh, there! I mean, do you know how many times I've gotten on my little Yahoo Sports app on my phone and pulled up the Big Ten West standings just to check and see if they've changed since Saturday night? Uh, it's it's been a lot. It's been a lot, and here I am looking at future schedules now. It's all it took. It all it took, and then and then of course Wisconsin comes and you hurt usurps the entire news cycle and throws throws this curveball. Uh, I, I am, and, and you've probably watched the uh, Mickey Game Ball uh, oh, video a million times. Like, yeah, a, I was going to say at least twenty a times. million times. It's it's it was it was great. It was uh, yeah. It yeah, it was so all these routines. Dirk, all these routines I like forgot about my life after wins. You know what? You know what I wanted to do Sunday morning, Dirk? I wanted to read the World Herald. 
It was cool. amazing. Hey, let's not go crazy here. No, right? I wanted to. I wanted to open every article that that came up on my feed from the World Herald. I wanted to know what I wanted to know what Sam thought. I wanted to know what you thought. I wanted to know what Chattel thought. It was it was amazing. I, and I, then I, and it, then Monday morning came and you wanted to open up the scoreboard section of the World Herald to see where Nebraska moved up in the AP poll. <laughs> We're getting there. It's not We're completely. You know what I did? You know what I did last night, Dirk? You know what I did? I watched the BTN in 60 condensed version of the Nebraska-Indiana game last night. Did they Did they skip all the penalties or not? No, they did, and I still got mad about the Corcoran thing. But, I mean, these are all <laughs> these things in my life I forgot I once did. Yeah. And it was it, it it was it was so nice. Um so let's uh I want let's just do the Chris thing real quick. Uh, you you pointed out in a tweet that I've seen a million times now because people keep retweeting it uh that Paul Chris' record at Wisconsin was unbelievably close to what Bo Pelini's was at Nebraska when he got fired. Yeah, sixty-seven uh, and twenty-six versus sixty-six and twenty-seven. Which uh, kind of surprised me that Pelini's was that good. It was a little bit like that. That surprised me. But the Chris thing, I don't know. I I saw you know sort of like that message board Twitter account last week that posted some things about people getting mad at Chris. I never thought that was really on the table, and I don't claim to know the the inner workings and the politics at Wisconsin. But were you were you shocked by this or not? I would have been, I would not have been shocked at the end of the year, you know, after a six and six or seven and five season, had they done this. Um, I was, I was very surprised they did it. They did it in the middle of the season. I, I mean, that is, that is not a Wisconsin thing to do. Uh, frankly, there's, there's not many, not many power five schools considering this, you know, the scenario, a nine and four season last year. And granted, it sounds like we're, we're having a, you know, redux of, of a couple times Nebraska has done the same thing, but Nebraska didn't do it the following season on October 2nd. You know, it's like uh, a really dramatic step that, that, you know, points to a couple things. I think one, just the overwhelming frustration with Wisconsin's offense that if you are, uh, again, this is sort of a Steve Peterson flashback, but, but if you are a new athletic director, which, which they have, and you look at that offense and you say, there's no chance we have to compete in college football with this offense. You know, I think, I think maybe you, you panic a little bit. And then secondly, again, sort of similar to the Solich situation. Uh, they, they have a young, you know, fiery defensive coordinator that they want to keep. And I think they want to see if they, if he's got the chops to do the job. So, and that's Jim Leonard. So um, it'll be interesting how it plays out. I think it's similarly to what Nebraska is doing. You know they're going to give Leonard a chance to win the permanent job, and I think even more than Mickey Joseph, I think they want that to happen. So hmm. uh, it's it's just odd though. You don't see this kind of drama at Wisconsin, which again is what people said about Nebraska twenty years ago. Yeah. What 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 is it? I don't know if, if this is a. I don't know. This is people are going to say that this is a question. Where I'm trying to make a point, but like, what do you make of the fact that that Wisconsin does do this? You know, the, the midseason firing like Nebraska does, um, but the 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 situations are so wildly different at this point. But that they both got to their breaking point at such different spots. With by the way, Greg Gard is a guy, or not Greg Gard, basketball coach, but uh, Paul Chris is the guy who is a guy who's got Wisconsin ties, you know, to, to some degree, like Scott Frost does. 
with with that whole thing. I don't know how they feel about him there. I don't know if there's kind of a sector of the fan base that is 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 very loyal to him or not. But what does it like? What does it say to you about like the different thresholds between the two schools right now with a somewhat similar situation? Well, first of all, I think one of the lessons here is that any sort of financial impediment is is not much of an impediment at all. Uh, there's so much money flowing into the system that, uh, either through, through booster money or big 10 media rights that, that ADs and administrators, they're just, they're just not even thinking twice. Um, so I think that's, that's one part of the equation. Uh, but you know, I, I also think that it's really, really hard and it's, it's been this way. Uh, but I think it's even amplified now. When when things start going bad, when the momentum goes against you, uh, it's hard to get it back. You know, like it just is. And it's um, I think once the narrative begins that hey, this is you know he's not the guy, or he might not be the guy, or you know the program is is backsliding and doesn't have the talent that it did. Uh, it's just it's sort of hard to get that momentum back and to sort of reassure a fan base that suddenly begins to doubt. So, um, you know, a little bit of a sign of the times. Uh, again, I think the, the shock here is not necessarily that it happened somewhere uh, because, you know, you could see this happening in the SEC West, for instance. Uh, but it's it's a shock that it happened at the University of Wisconsin, which is yeah. which has really symbolized uh, stability probably more than almost any program in the country over the last 30 years. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I was, I did not, I did not, you know, here's an interesting question for you, Dirk. I, I, I think it's pretty clear that there's still, um, at least among, I don't know where it is within the, the athletic department leadership now, but at least within the fan base, there's, there's, there's still a, a, a latent desire within the fan base for an offensive style that is, is remnant, uh, part, it used to be about what Nebraska used to be, but now it's sort of developed into this thing that, to, that what, what, what some part of the fans really want is what Wisconsin and Iowa do stylistically on offense, which is a really good running game, something that's adaptable to whether a Big Ten style offense. Do you think this, that's taken a hit this year at all, given what Iowa and Wisconsin are experiencing with those sorts of sure. styles? Yes, absolutely. And I think I think there's a there's a fine line between a a a functional power offense and a um sort of fruitless power offense. You know, it's and 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 frankly, often that line is uh pun intended, you know, it it's dependent on on a, on an elite offensive line. Um you know, generally those schools have sort of a game manager at quarterback. Uh, they have, you know, receivers who, who are multi-talented but are not necessarily, you know, going to go 80 yards. But they have a, a phenomenal, you know, tailback, uh, fullback, and an offensive line. And I think I do think that there's a segment of the Nebraska fan base that misses that. But I also think that Nebraska fans are savvy enough uh, to remember that, that a great offense you know, really needs a, a game breaker or two out there. Uh, and, you know, in the 80s, Nebraska would find that from the tight end position sometimes with Johnny Mitchell and Todd, Todd Billiken. In the 90s, they might find it with, you know, at quarterback with Tommy Frazier. The point is, uh, good offense, great offenses blend blend both. They blend power and and sort of the, the, bit, the big hit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And and I think the the problem with Wisconsin and Iowa, especially now, is there's there's just no there's no danger of of getting beat with a big play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think Nebraska's, you know, th- that was Jack. I hate to go back five years, but that was always kind of the hopeless Ross coming home was that he would be able to marry, yeah. you know, old school Nebraska values, offensive line, power, you know, third and two, we're going to run the ball down your throat. With the uh, with the speed on the outside and the and the explosiveness and, yeah. and obviously Nebraska tried it. I'm not convinced. <laughs> I told Sam this last week on our podcast. I'm not convinced that that uh, that that template was flawed. I think the execution of the template was flawed. Yeah. Um, so so I would still like to see Nebraska try to marry those two concepts um, much more than Wisconsin and Iowa have done. It's going to be an interesting situation for for Trev, and and this is a good problem to have. But it, it's hard. It, I don't know if it's if, if everyone's giving um, myself included giving Mickey the benefit of the doubt because he, you know he he is a former Husker, so there is a soft spot in my heart. But man, it's 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 just hard, Dirk, not to be really endeared to him. The way that he talks, how it's different than so many of the other coaches. You know, just the overtaking of personal responsibility, the shots on the sideline of him coaching up players over and over again in a way that I think that endears him to people. It's it's gonna get weird if the success keeps going. At what point do you balance those things and and maybe some more wins? Along with the 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 reality of, do I really you know do I really not go outside of the program with with a hire like this? Like, I don't know. I I still don't think he will, and and that's not even what I'm asking. I I mean I don't. I think he is going to go outside the program. I still don't feel like I'm fully convinced Mickey wants that job right away right now. Maybe he does, but I'm not totally convinced of that. But how awkward is is this going to get, or how difficult is this going to get if the if sort of like the Mickey momentum train and the I think fair endearment to Mickey keeps going within this this fan base in this program? Yeah, I mean, again, we we always have a tendency to call back to to our own history, but but it does sort of have a uh, a flicker of of the Polini thing during mm-hmm. the Peterson era, right? Where where people sort of fall in love with the with the interim coach. Uh, in this case, I think it's you know Mickey. He's he's got the old pedigree, which is a factor. Uh, the thing that endears me is is clearly uh, the players respond to him. But I, I just think he's such a, I just think he's you know he's such an underdog. Uh, you know mm-hmm. he's, he's really taken the uh, he's taken a tough road to this job. Uh, he's been he's been at so many different places, and I he almost kind of wears that on his sleeve. I mean he's just. He, he he just kind of has that every man appeal that I think is is really uh, alluring, not only as a fan but as a player too. Uh, the interesting part of your question is that Trev Alberts asked for this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, because you know Wisconsin fired Paul Chris because I think they want Jim Leonard to be the next head coach and they want to give Jim Leonard a chance to show it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure Nebraska thought Mickey Joseph was going to be the next head coach, but Trevor Albert certainly put himself in position where if it went well, that was, that was going to be a, a you know, possibility. Um, so I think it's interesting. And I think it's clear that based on Trev's feelings for Mickey, that, uh, that he, you know, he would be okay if that's the outcome. Uh, the interesting part is going to be the gray area, which you alluded to, 
Uh, and I think it gets very, very interesting if they get to six wins. Somehow. Yeah, I think yep. they, I think they probably got to get to six, right? Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but but I think That's if they I'm can at. somehow if yeah. they can win four more, uh, I think this becomes a very real conversation. All in on this, you don't really throw cold water on that whole thing by going in the locker room and presenting a football to him and leading the leading the cheers for it afterwards, right? You know, you, and I res- and, and and I. I respect Trev for doing that because yeah. I think it's what I think it's I what agree. he would have done. You know, I think it's what he would have done anyway, right? And I think what I what I like about that is, you know, it's and, and I think there's probably a, a little bit of an adrenaline rush component to that where Trev Alberts wants to be in the middle of the action and and sort of the, feel the enthusiasm in the locker room. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially as a former player. But I, I, I respect the fact that. Uh, regardless of what happens two months from now, he was trying to make that as, as cool a moment as possible for his players and his head coach. And, and again, I think that reflects well, you know, as on him as an AD. I don't think Sean Eichhorst would have done that for instance. Nah. Add a new notch to my uh, things I forgot how to do after Saturday's uh, talk with Dirk for an entire segment about how much there are things we like about the head coach and athletic director right now. <laughs> hey, here's here's another uh, here's another sentence that we haven't said for a while. Jack, if they can find a way to beat Rutgers, this gets really interesting. Oh, oh, oh. I, ah! All right. All right. Calm down, Jack. All right. We will talk to you next week. We'll talk standings next week and future schedules right. next week, if need be. Thank you, Dirk. Hey, g- great. Care. All right. There you go. Dirk Chatlin from the Omaha World Herald. It is 856. We'll take a break. Wrap it up for this on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, that's it for the show. Did we get our second fantasy pit Huskers pick? Yeah, we got it in from Craig, who says 38 yards. Longest touchdown, 38 yards. All right, two chances tomorrow to get a fantasy Huskers pick. Listen for keywords at 635 and 810. It's a Tuesday, so we'll have Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska. John Baylor is going to join us. Bill Stephan from the Lead Center. Caleb's going to be gone, just doing some uh, internal meetings then over the next couple of days. So Johnny Cadillac will be in with me. So, Caleb, we'll see you Thursday. See you in a bit. All right. It is 9 o'clock. Kayla and Lincoln.